Hey, welcome into Mining Stock Daily, everybody. This is Trevor Hall. Uh, we have some market commentary for you this Thursday afternoon with our friend, Denver Dave, Dave Kranzler. Hi, Dave. How's it going, Trevor? Uh, I told you, this is this, this episode is going to be Dave and Trevor go unhinged. Uh, I've got my, my, my Newman Grove City Cafe coffee cup from Newman Grove, Nebraska. Uh, I see you have your... Uh, your nice uh, uh, tennis T-shirt on, and you've been pulling your hair out a little bit. Uh, yeah, this has been an interesting market for you. There's been a lot going on the last couple of weeks. You haven't been on the show in a while, so tell us how it is. What I mean, there's a lot of different aspects that are interesting. Are you just talking about as it applies to the precious metal sector? <laughs> well, let's start with this silver squeeze. That we uh, had. I know you and I had some, you know, uh, off the record conversations over the phone, and uh, things were getting a little, uh, you know, overall, I think there was people a little putting in too much into it, per se, in hindsight. I mean, that's what I think, you know, and I've, I've been just, you know, I've been trying not to be seen as being, you know, connected with the whole thing as much as possible. Um, and not that I don't necessarily support it if it's done properly, but, um, you know, having a bunch of Reddit retail traders, if, if that's who's really driving Wall Street bets and Reddit, you know, going after silver stocks with high short interest, uh, to me, that doesn't really accomplish anything. Now, now that said, there, it did stimulate a massive rush to buy silver bullion products from the coin dealers and the coin dealers were were wiped out and i think most of the coin dealers are still wiped out for now and the mint is has put silver on production allocation um claiming that it can't get enough silver blanks to to produce what's you know the full full extent of what's demanded to me that just tells me the price of silver needs to be higher right when you've got a demand and supply imbalance you use price as the moderator or as the equalizer so when demand is exceeding supply, you raise the price so that you can balance the two out. But, um, you know, I, I don't think a retail buying rush on physical silver is going to squeeze the market. And, and, and I think you have to, in order to properly squeeze the silver market, you got to go after the silver that's, that's allegedly sitting I'd rather say reportedly, I guess, sitting in COMEX and LBMA vaults or, you know, non-LBMA vaults in London. Um, and, you, and that's that's really where you're going to. That's where I think you could the market can be squeezed and it can be effectively squeezed. And I, I wouldn't even necessarily uh, refer to it as being squeezed. It would basically impose it would impose truthful price discovery on the silver market. Because there's a massive imbalance between derivative paper silver and the actual underlying physical silver that's available to be delivered if if the holders of the derivative paper silver were to call in the you know stand for delivery of the silver. But it's not just standing for delivery. You also the the, the, the entities that take delivery of the physical silver need to remove the bars from the COMEX and and the London vaults. That's that's where this. That's where I think you could really see the silver market get interesting. I was able to actually last night purchase a couple two ounce Aztec calendar silver coins. 
I think they're pretty sweet looking coins. Uh, but I paid, what was it, $68 per coin, and they're two ounce coins. So the premium, they were still really high premiums, and all the same things. But so you can still find some things that are available. But it, it makes me laugh when it's like we're saying like the 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 silver isn't necessarily available uh, for the mints to get more coins into production, but SLV can just unload six truckloads of whatever <laughs> silver into their vaults to fit to to fill their coffers. I don't think anyone who's taken a serious look at SLV actually believes that SLV put those bars into its vault. In fact, um, I think Chris Marcus has covered it in one of his podcasts. Or and I, I know Ronan Manley at Bullion Star has written about it. You know, and and um, and I've I've looked into it. I've dug into it. Um, there, there's no, there's no way to verify that the silver bars that SLV reports to be in its vaults are actually in its vaults. In fact, Rona Manley just wrote a very interesting paper about it, and I, I even I didn't realize this. So, so um, J.P. Morgan is the custodian of SLV, and they're allowed to use sub-custodians. So that would be non-J.P. Morgan vaults to you know in order to um, hold silver inventory that supposedly belongs to SLV. Um, but there's no, there, there's never really been a bona fide independent audit of that structure. And the way the prospectus is written, um, it, it's almost impossible to force an independent, a bona fide independent audit of the subcustodians. So, and, and only 23% of SLV's bars are actually held in JP Morgan's vaults. And J.P. Morgan, you know, to the extent that J.P. Morgan utilizes subcustodians, I think it uses five of them right now. Um, to the extent that there's foul play that goes on with the silver at the subcustodians, J.P. Morgan is 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 completely free from liability with regard to that. The you know, if you read through the prospectus, that's that's the way it's written. That's the way it was structured. I was actually shocked when I read both the G.L.D. and the S.L prospectuses many years ago that the SEC actually approved them so um, and you know as you know so if you go to the SLV the the, um, the trustee or the sponsors website which is iShares um, and, and they'll have you'll be able to find a link on there that says you know silver bar inspection but it's not even remotely close to what a full-blown independent bona fide audit would be it's basically kind of a random sampling of of the bars that are sitting on pallets in the various uh, in the various vaults, supposedly the subcustodian vaults also. But it, you know, again, it's just a random sample, and there's no there there's no uh, forensics work to actually uh, verify uh, attribution of title. In other words, who owns the bars? Um, and there's there's sub, several other things that are highly problematic with it. Let's talk about oh, gold. one more point about that. But oh, sure. you know, interestingly, you know, the market treats that as if it's that that inspection report as if it's an audit, and it's not. And it, you know, they're supposed to do it twice a year. So far, they've only done it once this year. In twenty twenty one, or in I'm sorry, in twenty twenty. They only had they only had one inspection in in twenty twenty one. I mean, in twenty twenty, and that was in March, 
right before the price of silver got completely hammered. Yeah. yeah so I guess the point here being is it's it's highly questionable um, in, in terms of how much of the silver that SLV um, reports on its website every day as being held in SLV. And I mean, the most obvious one, as you pointed out, is all of the silver that they supposedly added last week. Yeah. There's no way yeah. they could have sourced that much, that, that many bars. No way. Yeah. I mean, what, I think it was like six truckloads is what I what I heard. Just... It was a massive amount. <laughs> you can't get six truckloads of anything. No into, yeah, you can't get six truckloads yeah. of anything in New York without shutting everything down. <laughs> Uh, right exactly let's let's i want to ask you about gold because you and i have uh well you've been writing about it for uh the news briefing each morning this week and that's on the holbert gold index and the contrarian view uh so let's open this up a little bit for uh those interested in the in the gold miners and the junior exploration space uh what are we seeing from that this week and really uh, you know your contrarian look at that at, at that index well, I, it's it's not necessarily my contrarian look per se. I mean, it's historically it's it's been a, a you know I look at a lot of different market contrarian indicators, as you know, and historically the um, Holbert Gold Newsletter Sentiment Index, the HGNSI, has been a, a one of the more reliable contrarian indicators. So that. Um, when it when it goes negative, meaning um, you know, and the 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 methodology is it they they um, poll uh, any newsletter that makes a recommendation on going long or short gold, or you know, not holding a position in gold. So any you know any any newsletter that makes a recommendation concerning gold, it takes the the you know a poll every day and and um nets out those the, the amount of newsletters that are have a buy on it or have a sell on it or have a short on it and when it goes negative it means that the gold newsletters on balance are recommending shorting gold and and you know when it goes when it goes negative and stays negative for a few days it tends to you know historically gold almost always has rallied after that and it, it doesn't speak to the timing on it so just because it went negative it's been negative for i don't know something like seven out of the last nine days or something that doesn't mean that gold's going to you know and, and the mining stocks are going to rally tomorrow but it, it means that you know the, the the market is there's there's too many people standing on you know one side of the boat <laughs> And, and, you know, and invariably it'll tip the other way eventually. Um, yesterday it actually jumped 15 points to positive 1.67%. So um, on balance, gold newsletters have, have become, it's basically a neutral reading. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, when, when, that, when the um, index gets up to, you know, 60, 70%, you know, gold almost always sells off. You know, again, not right away. It might be a month later, but it does. All right. Uh, what's been happening uh, on the junior side of things? I mean, obviously, with the price of gold continuing this, seems like endless consolidation. Uh, some of the juniors maybe have found a bottom. Some of that free paper trading after that frenzy of financing last summer has maybe started to wind down a little bit. Um, 
you know, where's the sentiment? Like, what are you seeing here as far as appetite for going into the junior space? Um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I thought we might have seen a bottom last week in the mining stocks. You know, once again, they're weak this week for whatever reason. I mean, once again, the price of gold in on the COMEX takes a big tumble as soon as the COMEX floor opens. I mean, it was before the COMEX floor opened, gold was trading up at 1845. This is the April gold contract basis. And I mean, you've got just kind of the characteristic price ambush waterfall all the way down to it's trading at 1824 now. So it's down $22 from, and actually even a little more than that because it spiked up initially when the COMEX opened and then tanked. So, um, I mean, then that's, that's, that's a classic, uh, oh, the banks were in there probing the stop losses for, you know, at the hedge funds. And that's, and that's usually what triggers that. The banks will go in and dump a bunch of paper when the COMEX floor opens and um, it, it, pushes the price lower and then the stop losses trigger and you get basically a, a cliff dive chart. And we've seen that almost every day this week. So for whatever reason, um, the, the powers that be behind the scenes at the Fed and the Treasury uh, have decided it's, you know, and it doesn't just include, you know, the U.S. powers that be, it's pretty much Western central banks and sovereigns um, have decided that um, they're going to do whatever they can for the time being to prevent the price of gold from moving back over 1900. And I think that's that's what we're seeing this week. And uh, my guess is it's probably in advance of what's eventually going to be another massive round of money printing. Well, I think that's inevitable. I mean, there could yeah. be more than that. I mean, there's talk about yield curve control. I mean, if you're going to have easy money policy, you can't necessarily let bonds continue to rise as they have been um you know i you know i feel like they're just kind of stuck in a kind of sandwich here of what they can actually do in order to maintain the policies that they set out to do well i mean the fed already owns something like 70 percent of all the 10 years in 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 issuance 70 percent something like that yeah i saw that number i was trying to i remember seeing that number a few weeks ago and i was trying to find the source yesterday, but that's the number I remember. Um, or maybe it's they've been buying 70% of all the 10 years issued uh, since March, something like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's an egregious number. And they still can't prevent the 10-year yield from rising. I mean, the 10-year yield, um, you know, back in early April was at 0.51%. And now it's at, you know, it's more than doubled since then. And if you look at a if you look at a daily chart of TNX, which is, which is, um, I, I think it's actually an ETF that um, that tracks the ten-year yield. Um, I mean, if if the yield pops above like 150 or 160, technically it's going to shoot up into the twos very quickly. And I mean, we've seen just the effect this week of of the rise in in. Uh, in interest rates and in mortgage rates, I mean the uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association uh, Mortgage Purchase Index. So um, its applications for people who apply for a mortgage to buy a home took a big tumble last week. So and, and you know so if if a move from point from half a percent 
in treasuries to a little over 1% affects people's willingness to take out a mortgage to buy a home or maybe even their ability. Um, imagine what a move from, you know, 1.16% where we are now to 2% would do. I mean, it would, it would crush the housing market. It also crushed the velocity of cash, which already crushed. Right, right exactly. And <laughs> I mean, you know, in, in terms of the Fed's ability to control the longer end of the curve, um, I mean, yeah, they could just start buying up every 10-year bond out there. They'd have to print a, a they'd have to print so much money it would trash the dollars. So, uh, you know, contrary to what, you know, the stock market bulls believe, believe or want to believe, the Fed's not all, the Fed's not omnipotent when it comes to controlling the financial markets. Um, and at some point, you know, th th they're walking a, a fine line between trashing the dollar and trying to keep interest rates down. And if they go too far in terms of printing money and, and buying um, longer dated treasury bonds, it's, the dollar's just going to get annihilated and they'll, and they'll lose control no matter what. And we'll see gold shoot up to 3000 very, very quickly. Well, wouldn't that be something, Dave? <laughs> it will be. Is that when I come over and bust open that uh, 1988 champagne bottle that you've been holding on, holding on to? <laughs> you mean my Cristal Rosé? That's right. Rosé all day. You can't rosé all day if you don't start in the morning. <laughs> Dave, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's been too long since we've uh, had a chat here on the podcast. Hey, anytime, my friend. Appreciate everything that. you do. We appreciate everything you do for us. I don't really do that much. I mean, I get billed as co-producer of Mining Stock Daily, but I do about 5% of the work. <laughs> Hey, take it. Take take the take the accreditation and run with it. Put it on your resume when you're applying for a job, <laughs> and uh, it'll, it'll take you places. I guarantee you that. Uh, will, it me, will it get me a free meal in Newman's Grove? Uh, yeah, if I'm there in oh, Newman okay. Grove. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful cafe. Uh, some lovely people from Omaha moved to this small town and did a cafe, uh, started their cafe, and it's thriving, and they're doing really nice food oh, there. I'll bet the breakfasts are ridiculously good. Oh, yeah. Pancakes bigger than your head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, uh, you're the Mining Stocks Journal. We should plug it real quick. Have you raised your prices yet? <laughs> no, and, you know, part of it I, I just keep forgetting to. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I have been toying with the idea of, um, raising the price to $30 a month, and, but I would grandfather existing subscribers at $20 a month. I, I just, I happened to see a, a newsletter, a, a gold newsletter yesterday that's technically based and I read it and I'm like, really? And he, this guy charges 360 bucks a year. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm very undervalued relative to newsletters like that but you know for now it's, it's going to stay at 20 at, at some point probably when the next uh bona fide bull bull leg starts happening i'll probably raise the price so now's a good time everybody investmentresearchdynamics.com hit that investment excuse me hit the mining stock journal button at the top after you hit the mining stock daily button at the top there <laughs> 
Thanks, All right, Dave. All right, have yourself a great afternoon, my friend. You too. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.